Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Now, I mean, look, you may or may not have watched Mr. Rogers as a kid, but I mean, I did. And for me, when I grew up, um, it was Captain Kangaroo and then Mr. Rogers. So like, I had like the power hour of positive thinking television, right? And it was, it was great. I loved it. Um, and Mr. Rogers, almost every week on his show, had a guest that would drop by. And one of the most frequent guests that he had on the show was a guy, he was a policeman named Officer Clements. Now, here's the thing about Officer Clements. He was African American, which we don't really think anything about today, but in, at the time that the show came out in 1968, like that was a big deal because racial tension in our country was higher than it is today, way higher. In fact, in that day and time, white people and African-American people wouldn't even swim in the same pool together. I know, like, how, how crazy is that? But I'm telling you, that is how racially charged our country was. So Mr. Rogers, he desperately wanted kids to understand that you should love everybody, no matter what. And so here's what he did. On one episode of the show, he um, told all the kids that because it was a hot day, he just wanted to put his feet in a pool of water to cool off. Well, Officer Clemens drops by, and so Mr. Rogers says, hey, Officer Clemens, how about you take off your shoes and put them in the pool with me? Now, Officer Clemens said, well, but Mr. Rogers, I, I don't have a towel to dry my feet with. And Mr. Rogers says, don't worry about that. You can use mine. So he sits down, he takes his shoes off, and then he puts his feet in the pool with Mr. Rogers on this particular episode. And I want you to think about that image and how powerful that would have been. It's incredible. Yeah. Incredibly brave of Miss Roger. Think about, think about the message that that would send to kids. And think about the message that that sent to kids' parents. Incredible. And when they get to the end of this little section, Mr. Rogers takes his towel and he dries the feet of Officer Clemens himself. I mean, incredible, right? You know, and the lesson is the same for us today. The lesson is, is that every person matters. Everyone, regardless of race, background, education, economic status, age, you know, whatever, that e each one of us matters because we are, we each have an eternal soul created in the image of God that will live for eternity somewhere. Amen. And it doesn't matter the color of our packaging. All of us have incredibly high value to God. In fact, our value is so high that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on a cross so that he could offer us the chance to have eternal life. So look, I'll just say this. If you have never come to the point in your life where you have received God's forgiveness because of Christ and you've never received God's promise of eternal life, you can do that today. 
All you got to do is be willing to pray a prayer asking Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life to live. And, and make a commitment to follow him as best you can. As Really, it's the only way to say thank you to God for granting you forgiveness and giving you eternal life. So if you've never done that before, there's a prayer. It's at the bottom of your worship notes. If you've never prayed it and you're ready to pray it today for the first time, I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer. But if you've prayed that prayer before, or even if you're about to pray it right, right now, look, here's the thing. All of us have an incredibly high value to God. All of us matter to God because you're a person. You're eternal. You've been created in his image. And so you matter to God, and he dearly loves you, which is why it's so tragic that there's so many people that are so lonely because look, we live in the fourth largest city in America, and every study will tell you that people in our community are more lonely than they've ever been. And it doesn't matter whether you've lived here for a really long time or if you're new, most people are lonely. And it, despite the fact that we're surrounded by crowds of people all the time, which that's, in a sense, good news because it means that there is an opportunity to find and have and make friends. Which, honestly, which is why I'm really glad that we're doing this entire series, and I'm especially glad that we're looking at the passage that we're looking at today, because in the passage we're looking at today, God takes the most unlikely group of individuals, throws them together, and they end up becoming best friends. They, they become best friends, and God uses them in such a way that he changes the world through them, and these guys eventually become such good friends that they'd be willing to die for each other. And some of them actually do. The group of people I'm talking about are the 12 disciples. And what most people forget about the 12 disciples is that before they came together, they didn't know each other. Now, there is a chance that there's a few of them that knew each other because within the 12 disciples, there are two sets of brothers. And since they had the same occupation, there is a chance that they knew each other. But for most of the disciples, they did not know each other. They had no idea who the others were. But yet, by the time they get you know, to the end of Jesus' ministry, in just a few short years, they had come together, become best friends, become this band of brothers that God uses to change the world. Well, how did God do that? And really, more importantly for us, what does God tell us about how to become friends with people, especially if we're new to a place. So, pull out your message notes, and let's get right to it. So, here's the first thing that God says to us. Honestly, and it, this is just something that I have to trust that is, that is true. So, here's the first thing. Number one is this, is that God has already put people in place to become my friends. God has already put people in place to become my friends. See, here's something you might not know about the 12 disciples. All of them were chosen in the vicinity of a place called Galilee. Now, in case you're not familiar with the geography of Israel, Galilee is in the very northern part of the country. Um, and honestly, it's really just a collection of small villages that are on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the sea is not really a sea, it's just a, a big lake. And it's really not even that big. The whole vicinity is not that big. It's really about the size of Katy, which means that the disciples were neighbors by proximity. 
that they could have easily walked to each other's houses. For sure, a short donkey ride to one another's homes uh, within a day, easily. Even though they didn't know each other, they were already neighbors. But God had put them in that place. Although many of them were not born in Galilee, God brought them all together to be in this one place at this specific time so that they could be named as disciples, become best friends, and change the world. Now, how do we know that that was part of God's timing? Well, look at the verse that we have printed for you there in your worship guide. In Luke chapter 6, beginning verse 12, the Bible says this. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. I want you to underline that part. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Okay, so let me ask you this. What do you think Jesus was praying about all night long? Yeah, he was praying about who God wanted the 12 disciples to be. I mean, there were all these people that were following Jesus, and so Jesus prays all night long, God, who are the people you are calling to be the 12? And so God told Jesus, hey, I've brought these people to Galilee, and these are the ones that I want you to select. And that was the start of them becoming best friends and changing the entire world. And so... What this means for you and me, how does this apply to us? Just like, G, just like God had brought the disciples to that area at that time for a reason, God has brought the people that are your neighbors there for a reason. Whether they're your neighbors because they live down the street or in the same apartment complex, or whether they're, you, know, you go to work together or you go to school together or you're in the same small group together, it doesn't matter. God brought those neighbors to you for a reason. And just like God did with the disciples, he has already put people in place in your life that you can become their friend and they can become yours. And you might have grown up here or you might have just moved here or some, something in between, doesn't matter. God has already put people in place to be your friends. So look, Although you might live in a, you know, a master plan community, the greater biblical truth is, is that you live in a community that's been planned by the master. And because that is true, don't be afraid to take a first step and introduce yourself to someone, to get to know someone, to find out more about them and let them get to know you. Because I'm telling you, you never know who God has put around you, and for what purpose he's put them around you for. And it could change your life and theirs. Okay? Here's the second thing. Number two is this. Let me find out about how God wants us to choose friends or make new friends. Number two is this, is that Jesus chooses, I don't decide. Jesus chooses, I don't decide. I want you to look at that same verse that we just read. Let's just, but let's emphasize a different part of it. In Luke 6, 12 through 13, one of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called. Circle those two words, he called. He called his disciples to him and chose. 
Circle those two words, and chose. Twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. So look, here's the deal. Jesus called and Jesus chose the disciples. The disciples did not choose each other. And like I said, there were already two sets of brothers within the disciples. And, you know, in case some of their brother relationships are maybe like some of ours, there might have been some, like, sibling rivalry going on. If there was, I'm sure when Jesus was choosing the disciples, I'm sure some of the brothers were like, oh, please, Jesus, just not him. I mean, anybody, just please. You know, we, I mean, we don't know. But, you know, the bottom line is that Jesus did the choosing. It wasn't the disciples. And for us, here's the deal. You don't always choose the people that come in and out of your life, do you? God does that. But look, just because you don't choose people doesn't mean that it's not part of God's plan. It very well might be. Because look, here's the thing. You you just got to get to the point of your life where you trust the sovereignty of God. That because God is sovereign overall, you just have to trust. You have to get to the point in your life where you just trust that God knows what he's doing. And if you truly believe that God knows what he's doing, then the people that he brings into your life, you have to believe that he's doing it for a reason. And so you have to be open to becoming friends with people, even if they're not people that you would naturally choose. Now look, I'm not saying that everybody that walks in your life has to become your new best friend. Okay, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God might put some people in your life that at first glance you might think, you know what, they're not my people. But before you pass judgment, you need to, you need to consider the fact that God's ways are not your ways. God's plans are not always your plans. For instance, I remember when I was in college, I met a guy named Mark. Um, and, and Mark and I, we were, we were pretty different. Um, he, he wasn't overly athletic, and I loved sports. He was in a college choir, okay? I have never been in tune my entire life. He was from a, a whole family of Baylor people. My whole family were Aggies, okay? I mean, I just ended up at Baylor through some weird circumstances. He was really tall, I mean, he was tall, okay? I mean, we, we would not have been natural friends. But he became my best friend. And, and he became my best friend throughout my entire college years. And, and God brought us together because we ended up being on a planning committee for a university-wide event. But little did I know that God had way more in store than just planning an event. And I'm so glad that I was just open to what God wanted to do, because otherwise I might have missed it. And he and I are still best friends. I mean, we were in each other's weddings, we've been on vacation together, uh, we still get together whenever we can, even though we live in separate cities. But I'm telling you, you never know what God might be wanting to do. You just have to be open to it. So you know what? Trust God's sovereignty. Let Jesus do the choosing. And why don't you hold off on the deciding? Because you never know what God's going to do. You never know the kind of people that Jesus is going to bring into your life. Look, he's already chosen the people that are on your street, in your office, at your work, um, in your school, in your small group. And you never know the friendships he might have in store for you if you're just open to it. Okay?
All right. Here's the third thing. Third thing we need to understand is this. Is I need to look for things in common, not things identical. I need to, I need to look for things in common, not things identical. Let's read the complete passage that we've been working our way through this morning in Luke 6, verses 12 through 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, the truth is, many of these disciples should never have been friends at all. For instance, here's what we know for sure about what some of them did for a living. And I, I've printed it there for you in your worship notes. James and John were brothers. They were fishermen. Then there's two other brothers, Peter and Andrew. They were also fishermen, and they were business owners. A guy named Matthew was a tax collector, and Simon was a religious zealot. Okay, So here's the deal. You got two sets of brothers, and there might, may or may not have been sibling rivalry going on between, there, between them. So you know, we don't know for sure. But here's what we do know. These guys were competitors in the fishing industry, okay? They were not fishing buddies. They fished for a living. So if one of them did really well, it had the potential to actually harm the business of the other two. So they weren't necessarily natural friends. Then you got a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Everyone hates the tax collector, right? Now, especially in their day, everybody hated the tax collector because here's the deal. The tax rates were not set by the government. The tax rates were actually set by the tax collector. All Rome cared about was that they got theirs. And so the tax collector could keep anything he collected over what he sent to Rome. So these guys would set really high tax rates, and they were getting rich off the backs of their own countrymen. So everyone hates the tax collector. And then there's a guy named Simon. Simon was a zealot. Now, the zealots were a religious group of people who were bent on overthrowing the Roman government in the name of God. Basically, they were religious anarchists. And so once Simon came on the scene, I'm telling you, because Matthew worked for Rome, Simon would have hated Matthew. And Matthew would have hated Simon. And look, and let's just be honest, Simon probably would have alienated most of the other disciples because he would have been the religious kook of the bunch, okay? Um, and now, the other six disciples, we don't know what they did for a living. They were, you know, probably tradesmen of sort. You know, perhaps, you know, one was a cloth merchant, maybe another was a farmer, maybe another one was a stone carver, maybe another one was a used camel dealer. I mean, you know, we don't really know. Um, <laughs> But okay, but my, my, my point is, is that these guys, they were not all cut from the same cloth. They were not identical. They were not natural friends. But what brought them together was what they had in common. And what did they have in common? Their lives were changed by Jesus. And that bonded them together as friends, like nothing else. So look, here's the deal. When you're looking for friends, don't look for people who are identical to you, okay? That, that's not the model we see anywhere in the entire Bible. Instead, look for people that you have something in common with. And if you're a Christ follower, the one thing you have in common with everybody on the planet that is also a Christ follower is that your life has been changed by Christ, just like theirs has. 
You've been forgiven. You've been taught how to love. You've been taught how to accept other people. You've been taught how to reach out to other people. Your life has been redirected just like their life has been redirected. And so look for things that are in common, not necessarily people who are identical to you. Just like the disciples did, and it changed their lives and could change yours and the people you become friends with. Okay. So then the big question is like, well, okay. So what? Like, how does all this apply to me? How can I put all this in practice? All these are great things to know, Pastor Mike, but what do I do about that? Well, let me give you a couple of things that you can do. Here's the first thing. Write this one down, okay? Throw a block party. That's right. That's actually a fill-in in church. Throw a block party, okay? We want you to get to know your neighbors. Because look, God has placed your neighbors around you for a reason, whether they're on your street or whether they're in your apartment complex, doesn't matter. And perhaps the reason is to help you, perhaps it's for you to help them. I mean, no, I don't know, maybe it's both. But look, here's the deal. God has trusted you with the people who live near you. So be a good steward of your street or your complex. And so get to know your neighbors by throwing a block party. So here's what we've done to help you. We have created block party in a box. That's right. So out in the lobby, we have uh, uh, boxes that have things in it that would help you throw a good blog party. There's a, a planning instruction checklist. There's a way to make a map of your neighborhood. We've got you know, Frisbees in there. We've got a bunch of minute to win it game ideas. We've got you know, bubbles in case there's kids that show up. There's sidewalk chalk, there's name tags. There's all these kinds of things in there. There's even a gift card in there to help you offset some of the cost. But we want you to throw a blog party so that you can get to know your neighbors and your neighbors can get to know you. So that's, what, that's part of what we want you to do. So we want you to throw a block party sometime in the next three weeks, either in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex wherever you live. And look, here's the deal. If there's other Parkway Fellowship people that live near you, like, you know, get together and like blow this thing out, okay? Make it a collaborative effort. And how do you know if there's Parkway Fellowship people that live near you? Look for the window decal on their car, right? So if you ain't put your window decal on yet, they're also in the lobby for free. Grab one of those on your way out today, okay? But look, here's the deal. Throw a block party. And those boxes out there, they're for free. And do it in the next three weeks. But don't take a box if you're not committed to throwing the party. But if you are, it's there for you to help you, okay? All right, here's the next thing that you can do. Number two is this. Join or start a small group. I want you to join or start a small group. Look, I, I, I know, look, if you're a veteran here, you probably could have filled that in before I even said it. Um, but that doesn't make it any less true. God still uses small group powerfully in people's lives. In fact, I want you to hear from a couple ladies in our church um, how God used small group and their neighborhood to change lives. Let's watch this. Doug and I are originally from uh, California and we decided we needed a change and so we moved to Plano, Texas and about six months into our journey um, in Plano, Doug's firm asked him to relocate to Houston. The idea of moving just was daunting and we had just started creating relationship in our new church. It's amazing how God works in your life because as I was preparing to come down here that weekend, I wrote a prayer. In my prayer, 
I spelled out exactly what I was looking for. A home with enough bedrooms for my kids, a home that had two living areas so that we could host um, small groups or kids activities. This idea of like community and small group and building relationships with people is what kept coming up in that prayer. We didn't really know our neighbors in our old neighborhood. And that's something that I really, I really hated. I really wanted to know them. And I didn't really know how to get to know them. Um, after having lived there for so many years, how do you then knock on the door and been like, hey, uh, we've been be my neighbors. <laughs> neighbors for five years. I don't even know you. So I knew a few of them, very surface level. Um, but moving here, it was uh, mine and Jeff's prayer that we would get to know our neighbors and really build some community. When I picked up my son from uh, church one day, she was the one volunteering in the kids' men class and uh, handed him off to me, and she had her name tag on, and I recognized her name from the the neighborhood site where everybody talks. And um, so somehow we made the connection that, hey, we're in the same neighborhood. It turns out we live five houses down from each other. We are on the same street and that our daughters were in the same um, first grade class together. I can't tell you how many times Nancy's come over and brought me pie or, you know, a, a cup of coffee and we've just been able to chat. Because we were right there. But because we were right there. Yeah. The street down the street from each other and I mean and to see our kids growing closer together too I mean it's just been such an awesome uh, journey so yes by this point they fight like siblings <laughs> yes. yes yes indeed <laughs> I've never had a friend like Brianne that um, I've, I've been so close with that I could just come in and just make myself at home and uh, my kids do the same and and it's not just us like I think that's the awesome part like we are really that close with a lot of our neighbors now and and as we've started growing closer and doing more family dinners you know we call them like family nights where we would just get all of our families together and and have dinner, we realized, why don't we create a small group where we can actually, now that we've created these relationships, why don't we take it to the next level and start digging deeper? It's just been neat to, to just realize, look, we're all in the same section of a bigger neighborhood, and wh why wouldn't we, you know, why wouldn't we do this and um, just build that community and be able to draw others in right. and and to know the Lord because that's ultimately what we want to do as neighbors is to um, show them Christ through our lives. But isn't that incredible? I love that story. So amazing. Look, I'm telling you, like you never know how God might want to work in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex. I, I mean, it's amazing how God has used. Nancy and Brianne's relationship and friendship as neighbors to not just change them, but now to change people in their neighborhood as well through having a neighborhood small group. And, look, and small group is exactly what it sounds like. It's a group of like 12 to 16 people that get together once a week for the next three months. They eat a meal together, um, study the Bible together, and pray for each other. And that's it. So look, if you're not in a small group yet, 
You need to get in one. And you can do that today, either online or out in the lobby. And look, here's the deal. It's not just you that needs to be in a small group. It's your kids, too. Your teenagers need to be in a small group. Because when your kids are at school, they need to know who the other kids are that are on the same path of trying to honor God and honor Christ with their lives. They need to know who those people are because it'll help them at school. And they meet those kids at small group. So you need to get your kids and your teenagers signed up because it's not just them that need it, it's also you. Your whole family needs it, so do that. And I'll just say this too. If you're one of those people like, you just know a lot of people already in your neighborhood, maybe God's asking you to start a small group in your neighborhood. Look, because those people, they don't have to be members of the church to be a part of a small group. Just start one and get together and, and, and make small groups start happening. And, and if you want to, we will help you. We'll provide you a curriculum. We'll give it, tell you how, how the small groups are structured, how they operate. And we'll train you we'll get, so we can get you going so your small group can be successful. But, you know, if God's leading you to start one in your neighborhood, then maybe that's what you need to do. You need to start one. Because look, here's the thing. Just like Mr. Rogers, you never know the people that God is going to put in the pool of your life. But here's what I can tell you. Every one of those people are valuable, and they are dearly loved by God, just like you are. And so whoever those people are, God's got a plan for you, and he's got a plan for them. And maybe part of that plan is that you would become friends. Because you never know what God's going to do. And who knows? Maybe some of them even become best friends. And it'll change your life. And theirs. So, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you give us the example of just how you threw 12 guys together. And they became this band of brothers that were deeply committed to one another and equally deeply committed to you and your son Christ. And so I ask that you would help us and inspire us, and especially people listening today who are lonely, that you would use things like a block party or small group to help them make connections, to make friends where previously they had none. So whether people are new to this community or have been here for a long time, I ask that you would use this as an opportunity to help them find neighbors and make friends. I also ask that you would bring us back next week so that we can learn more of what you want to teach us about how to be a good neighbor. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.